I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. This episode of Livewire is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you can call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Elena, it's Luke. Oh, hi, Luke. How's it going? Good, good. What are you up to? You know, hanging out in my kitchen, eating third lunch. <laughs> You're really making that a thing. Um, hey, uh, it's time to do the show. Oh, sweet. Okay. Give me one second. I need to go upstairs to my uh, professional sound booth. Yeah, where are you recording things from now in your house? Well, I was in my office, but in order to make my office soundproof, I had to dismantle an entire sectional sofa <laughs> and like turn it into a soundproof booth. Yeah. But now I've relocated to, I have this kind of, it's not like a walk-in closet, but it's like a lean-in closet. It's this really small kind of U-shaped system of clothes. Something tells me you're surrounded by caftans right now. Oh, yeah. I, I'm a wash-in caftan. Hmm. And it looks like I got the computer all fired up and ready to go. So let's get this party started. All right. Nice. Uh, Molly Pettit, does uh, everything sound okay on your end? Yeah, sounds good. All right. I guess we're recording. Take it away, Elena. <sighs> okay. Let's do this. From PRX, it's Livewire. Recorded from our actual homes, welcome to the Livewire House Party. This week with author Shay Serrano, comedians Brooks Whelan and Nick Turner, and music from Jimmy Harrod. I'm your announcer, Elena Passarello, and now, live and direct, from a small room just off his kitchen, the host of Livewire, Luke Burbank. Thank you, Elena Passarello. Once again, I've brought my own clapping. Do you feel like this is self-serving for me to have this little machine with, like, <laughs> laughter and other audience-type responses? I miss it, you know, being kind of at my actual house. I, I miss that feedback. It's self-serving only if you use it when we're off the air. <laughs> okay, fair uh, enough. Um, as uh, people have probably already figured out, we are at our houses, uh, which is going to be the case for uh, however long we have to do it from home. Uh, we're going to have our guests check in from wherever they might be. Uh, of course, the Livewire audience is still a big part of this show. We've asked them to answer a question this week. Tell us something you've learned about yourself since being stuck at home. We're going to read those responses throughout the show. Elena, I learned something about myself since being stuck at home, mm. and that is I cannot, for the life of me, 
grow a proper beard. <laughs> Can you see me through this this computer camera that has us connected? I'm going to put my face really close okay. to the camera. And I want you to look at what my face looks like with this information. I haven't shaved for six days. What? Wow. I don't want to be too graphic, but I think I have more chin hairs than you do, Luke Burbank. <laughs> well, this is the whole problem. So I don't want to be gross, but unfortunately, I had a pimple on my chin. Mm-hmm. And it was never able to fully heal because it was in an area of my face that I need to shave every day. And so mm-hmm. I decided to stop shaving for a little while to give it some time to heal up and go away. And it hasn't quite finished up being on my face yet. But what's happened in the interim is I have grown the saddest, uh, by the way, whitest, most pathetic beard. Like, Mm. I'm 43 years old. I don't think of myself as being particularly young. But realizing for the first time that inside of me is a white-haired man is very, (laughs) like, really kind of bummed me out this week. How about you? What are you... What's something you learned about yourself during these uh, first couple weeks of this thing? Mine is kind of beard related, too. We went in the opposite direction in my house. Yeah. So David has this big, full beard and has for, you know, the better part of the past decade. And um, we're together 24-7. So one of the ideas for entertainment that we came up with was we would slowly shave off his beard by every day making it a different style yeah so we did uh the lemmy killmeister from motorhead oh, where he yeah. just kind of shaved his chin hair and then we did the chester a arthur our 21st president where he had like a mustache and then like a jowl strap but no chin strap <laughs> right and he shaved the yeah. little love patch off the middle we did the wyatt earp uh from tombstone which uh was very hot um I'm learning that I'm kind of into dudes with mustaches. <laughs> well, luckily, uh, you live with a guy with a mustache, so that's good. Hey, we have time for maybe one quick audience response to this question of uh, what is something people are learning about themselves since they've been stuck at home? Uh, what's jumping out at you, Elena? Here's one from Mamazon. Mamazon okay. says, I learned that driving in your car by yourself is a legitimate way to self-distance, but it takes all the fun out of playing the punch buggy game. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> I have noticed that too. Like, you know, we're all going a little stir crazy and you can get in your car and, and drive around if you have one, um, but you can't stop anywhere. So it's like, yeah. it's it's weird. You just drive in a big circle and then you're just back home. Like, it's yeah. not as satisfying as I thought it was going to be. This is LiveWire Radio. It's LiveWire House Party. Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello. Uh, Speaking of learning something about yourself this week, this is a crazy story, Elena. Uh, There are these two comedians that I follow on Twitter, Brooks Whelan and a guy named Nick Turner. And this week I saw that Brooks had bet Nick 500 bucks that he, that Brooks, could run a marathon with basically no real training and that he could do it in under four hours and 33 minutes. Oh, my God. Um which seemed like a terrible idea, even more so because uh, uh, Brooks was apparently wickedly hungover when the day came to actually run the marathon. Oh, man. Um, the craziest part of the whole thing is that he actually finished the marathon. So he's thinking we should invite these guys over to the party to tell us how it all went down. <laughs> wow. All right, let's call him up. Brooks Whelan and Nick Turner, welcome to the Livewire House Party. Thank hey, you thanks very for having much. us. Fun. Where are you guys at? Nick and I are in closets uh, two blocks apart from each other in Los Feliz, California. 
Can you kind of explain the scene? You guys are what hanging out in one of your houses, and you're pretty drunk. And who proposed the idea first about the running of a marathon the next day? Initially, my idea was I can just run a marathon. It'll be no problem. And then Nick put in some stipulations because anybody, not anybody, but you can like walk a marathon in like six hours or like eight hours. And I thought I would just do that. And then Nick was like, I'm not betting that you can walk a marathon. (laughs) So we looked up uh, average times for people who train and it was four and a half hours and uh, then it got serious because I didn't know if I could run a four and a half hour marathon. But then we saw Oprah did it and it made me feel a little better about it. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of our barometer. No training. Can I beat Oprah in a race? <laughs> Nick, for you, was this an attempt to make money? Was this an attempt to kill your friend? What was the <laughs> what, like? How, how did this how did this come together? I think initially it's to prove him wrong that he couldn't do it. Because you don't need some fit friend of yours just uh, bragging about stuff that they, they're never going to prove. Also, I didn't think he would do it, not because he wasn't physically healthy enough. Like, he's lean, he runs sometimes. I just thought because he's so, he has such an unhealthy lifestyle. Mm. I thought I could maybe booze him up the night before and uh, kind of ruin his chances. And I did that. But I still failed. Basically, what my plan for training for this marathon was, was I won't get drunk the day before and I fail. Uh, because, because here's what happened. My favorite wine store is in Los Feliz. It's called Lou. It's fantastic. It's only natural wines. And I was just going to have a six pack that day. Quarantine is not good for drinking. It's just no, like, why not? No. And then we went on a walk. And then during the walk, he's like, hey, look where we walked directly to Lou's wine shop. <laughs> well, Lou has been closed during the quarantine. And they were doing like a little curbside pickup and I got excited and so we got we got what I thought would be you know my quarantine amount of wine the the wine that I'll drink for the next month and it lasted a night uh, it lasted till the night. two in the morning wait, yeah, wait, it lasted wait. till two in the morning and that was literally the night before you were gonna run a marathon yeah. on the streets of Los Angeles yeah Brooks? yes so I went <laughs> oh to bed at God. two and I had to run a marathon in the morning wow oh. And I honestly, when I woke up, I go, well, now this is the ultimate test. <laughs> like it wasn't going to be Because I knew I could do it. And then now I'm now I'm like, well, I'm, I did drink a lot last night. If I can do this, that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> also, Nick Turner's money is incredibly motivating. I really yeah. want to stress his that. His initial plan was to just leave his house, run 13.1 miles, and then turn around. And I was the voice of reason. I was like, no, you have to loop back. To the house, otherwise you won't have any water. <laughs> He's like, I don't need water. <laughs> I did bring money so I could stop at a gas station and buy Gatorade if I needed. <laughs> Classic marathon yeah, stuff. Yeah, sure. <laughs> did you have anyone with you? Were you keeping in contact on your phone with Nick or anyone else? No, um, I just I shared my location with them through this app, this running app. Wow. Uh, and then I was just listening to podcasts because it got boring. Just podcast, not like there's no like workout motivation music. No, I, I for the last six miles, I was like, let's put on some motivation ba, 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 music. Ba, ba, ba. I tr- I tried. I was like, I will listen to like you know the new Pearl Jam record or something. But um, it didn't. <laughs> I my joints hurt so bad I couldn't yeah. get motivated to run faster. It was just 
just literally like I just got to slog through this because that's all that happens is like my freaking joints broke down. Wow. <laughs> this is Livewire. You are tuned into the Livewire house party. I'm Luke Burbank with Elena Passarello. We're talking to Nick Turner and Brooks Whelan. Uh, they made a bet this week that Brooks could run a marathon with no training. Uh, he decided to up the ante by getting incredibly drunk the night before. And On then, accident. And then <laughs> somehow, to just the shock of everybody watching online, actually did the marathon in under four hours and 33 minutes. And and this is one of the things I was noticing, Brooks, on your Twitter feed, where other people, particularly comedians, checking in on how they trained for months and sometimes years to just finish a marathon, and you were able to go out and actually do it with no real kind of intentional training. That's sort of amazing. I, I did a Twitter poll and an Instagram poll, and it was unanimously 80%, you're not going to do it, 20% of believers, but I've never been more confident of anything in my life than this, I will be able to do this, which maybe I'm just naive, um, but yeah, I just, I, I, I loved it. It was a really fun Saturday. Like, Nick and I had got drunk that night and talked about it. It was super fun. Yeah, I don't mind losing. It's just how happy he is. <laughs> with the fact that it happened is yeah. like the real devastating blow to me because it is it's there's no bad parts for him and uh just enjoy the money brooks but also i ran i just got done running today like what? i ran that saturday it's tuesday i just ran three miles yeah i want to get really good now this is my new thing it's my quarantine thing i want to become a distance runner dude you've wow. been touched by an angel a like distance there's runner. <laughs> yeah i will say this though brooks the photo of you at the finish line in a, a T-shirt that it looks like you found it in the L.A. River. Like <laughs> you look I mean, it doesn't look like you had a fun time. You look rough. Yeah. Also, that shirt always had those holes in it. <laughs> it did. That literally started. That's how he dresses. This is the human being that I was betting against who wears shirts like that. Honestly, people have commented on that shirt a lot. I wear that shirt too movie auditions that's my favorite shirt like when i'm going out for an audition are I'm like, you this a is... movie star oh dang it it's the shirt it's been the shirt um this is not obviously a specifically coronavirus related thing but do you think the kind of general weirdness that we're all living through somehow impacted this or inspired this i mean was this somehow connected to all of this any challenge that you can have is fun right now i guess yeah. you know what i mean like what really helped it is there's the reason we're talking to you about it is because there's no sports and right. it was like the only sporting event happening and so maybe that piqued people's interest in it, uh, which is you know which was kind of fun. Yeah, it's also so weird that he ran a marathon and I couldn't even give him a high five. No, oh, right. He like crosses the finish line. It's like good job over there. All right, well, I hope you can massage yourself. <laughs> Brooks, Whelan, and Nick Turner, thank you so much for being on the Livewire House Party, you guys. Thank you so much for having us. Bye, guys. Stay safe. Thank you so much. Uh, you can hear the full story of this crazy marathon bet on Nick's podcast, which is out this week. It's called Get Rich Nick. And you can follow Brooks on Twitter at Brooks Whelan. This is the Livewire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank. At my house, Elena Passarello is in a closet in Corvallis, Oregon. <laughs> uh, you are wherever you are hanging out with us. Thanks for being here. Uh, we got to take a quick break, but we will be right back. Stay with us. Livewire is supported in part by Fully. Based in Portland, Oregon, Fully is an amazing company that sells and distributes things that will help you 
feel healthier while you are being productive doing your work. How do I know this? Well, because I use a Jarvis standing desk from Fully when I am on stage recording Livewire. That's right. I can set that thing at any different height that works for me in that moment. It keeps the blood flowing, keeps uh, me feeling engaged. I think you can hear the results, my friends, coming through the radio and the podcast. If you would like to stay healthy and productive while you're being productive at your work, whether it's at home or in the office, you got to check out what the folks at Fully are doing. Go to Fully.com slash Livewire. That's F-U-L-L-Y dot com slash Livewire. They've also got the Cooper Standing Desk Converter. That gives you the ability to set your desk at any height you want as well. And just uh, figure out a spot that works for you. I promise it'll make a difference in your in your work productivity and how good you'll feel at the end of the day. I know it has for me. I also use the TikTok stool when I'm at home doing all of my uh, radio show writing projects. Uh, it's made such a difference for me and for our whole Livewire staff, and I know you're going to have the same experience. So again, find out what Fully has got going on by heading over to Fully, that's F-U-L-L-Y, dot com slash Livewire. Welcome back to Livewire from PRX. I'm your host, Luke Burbank. This is episode two of the Livewire house party. Uh, let's see here what I got. Oh, yeah, I got this one. Recorded from my actual house with this. <laughs> this sounded like a toilet uh, It was supposed pushing. to be a drum roll into a little celebration because I'm so excited <laughs> that we can still do the show. I'm Luke Burbank. That's Elena Passarello. She is at her house in Corvallis, Oregon. Um, Elena... I saw something on the mm. internet this week involving you that absolutely floored me. You each year take part in this writing contest. It's about usually about popular music. Yes. Um, uh, yes. It's a, and it's always in March, kind of like the NCAA tournament. And it's mm -hmm. uh, this year was called March Badness. And you were writing mm -hmm. about the song Muskrat Love by the Captain and Tennille. And it was like your essay about Captain and Tennille taking on all of these other essays about questionable music and you made it all the way down right. to the championship of this whole thing that's right and the thing that i saw on the internet that floored me was a song that you and your partner david recorded at your house under quarantine which is a version of muskrat <laughs> love you guys made a video out of this i guess this was to get attention so you could get a last few yes. votes i want to just in case people think i hallucinated this take a listen <laughs> But then things get really incredible at about this point in the song because this is when you actually just straight up busted out a saw and started playing it. Yes, a professional okay. musical saw. Okay, I want to play this for people. This is you on the saw <laughs> making the sound that muskrats would make were they, in fact, in muskrat love. If they were uh, uh, performing the yes. physical act of their love. The big question is, did the video work? Did you actually win the March Badness competition? We won. What? 
Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> I totally would have. I blocked you on Twitter so that I couldn't see if you won or not. Are you, you, you won? We won. Yeah. Well, we made the video because the only thing that we could think to do that would drive any attention away from that terrible song would be if we did something worse. So we put on a pair of caftans and my darling partner with his mustache agreed to wear a, yeah, a yeah. woman's caftan he wears it well, and play by the way. guitar. That gets a hearty sound machine clap for oh, March Badness champion Elena oh. Passerell. And by the way, it is an incredible <laughs> essay. It gets into Henry Kissinger, gets into uh, drug parties. Uh, it's a, it's, there's, there's a lot there. By the way, if you want to see Elena and her partner's performance of Muskrat Love, which honestly you must see with your own eyes, it's on <laughs> the Livewire Twitter feed, which is at Livewire Radio, or you can check it out on the Livewire Facebook page. All right, we asked the Livewire audience to answer a question this week, as we usually do. The question was, uh, what's something that you've learned about yourself since being stuck at home? Uh, Elena has collected up some of those answers. What are you seeing? Here's one from Shelly. Shelly says, I have a thing about the toilet lid being left up, and it turns out that I am the one who leaves the toilet oh, lid up. Oh, man. <laughs> I think some version of that's happening to all of us where there were so many things that we just, we didn't, we thought it was because we were on the go. We thought it was like, I'll be this Uh kind of person if I just don't have to get up in the morning and go get on the subway and commute to work or whatever it is. You know, I've always talked about trying to write a book and I have been for years. I am no closer Mm. to writing a book, even though I am legally not really allowed (laughs) to leave my house right now. I'm beginning to think I'm not a person who's going to write a book. If you want to write a book, I'll I'll help you. I get to make up whatever really? I want. Yeah, but... I, I I will take that deal at this point. <laughs> I Burbank, the Luke Burbank story. I'll totally do that. Um, what else uh, are people saying uh, that they're learning about themselves now in quarantine? Uh, Catherine says one thing that Catherine learned: I had no idea that I'm an extrovert. Huh. So this is it. You remember that there's this big, huge, like extrovert, introvert conversation and a bunch of people like I'm secretly an introvert. But now is the real test. Right. Now you really can't do the thing that defines extroverts, which is you recharge Mm -hmm. through going out and being with people. I think I'm an extrovert. Um, And and now that would seem obvious. Like I host a radio show. I have spent my whole life trying to get onto stages behind microphones in front of people. But I think I had hit this moment. Uh, maybe a year ago of thinking that I wasn't an extrovert, of thinking that I was somebody who was just sort of forcing myself to be social and to be outgoing. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, But no, now that I can't go out and get that certain response from people, I'm realizing I am an extrovert. How about you? Uh, I think the opposite happened. I feel I I love people and I love interacting with people. And um, but I feel I don't feel that much of a change in energy. Are you gonna um, be? Have, you know, are you just... gonna be hosting the show from this closet <laughs> for the next five years? I love it here. I'm. I do. I do sort of not to like be like Howard Hughes, but like this is nice back here in this closet. I can't believe I haven't spent more time here. But David, on the other hand, you know, he's he's calling uh-huh. people left and right and zooming and texting, and he's he's very obviously like plugging in to whatever social interaction he can get. And I'm like, oh man, I have to call my mom and my dad today. Wow. <laughs> I'm loving. I'm loving this sort of huh. solitude. You know who else answered the audience question this week, Elena, is a uh, a former guest and fan favorite on Livewire. Take a listen to this. Hi, it's Alonzo Bowden, unemployed comedian. Here's something I've learned about myself during this quarantine. 
I enjoy the silence. It is amazingly silent in my house and around my house, especially at night, and I find myself stepping outside just to listen to absolutely nothing. It's nice. Okay, now let's get back to work and make things normal again. This is Livewire Radio from PRX. This is the Livewire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank. That's Elena Passarello. Let's invite our next guest over to the party. This is a guy that I have been wanting to talk to forever, um, actually since way before this COVID stuff. He is an amazing writer. He wrote uh, The Rap Yearbook and also Basketball and Other Things, which are both New York Times bestsellers. Um, but right now, I really want to talk to Shea Serrano because during this corona outbreak, he has been using his personal Twitter to do this really amazing direct thing where he'll just say, hey, do you have a bill that you can't pay? I got a, a little bit of money here. Let me help pay it. And then other people will come in and join the thread. It's just a very direct connection between people that have a little extra money and people who have like legitimate bills they can't pay. Um, so he's just been a really inspirational person to watch on Twitter the last couple of weeks. Uh, so uh, let's bring him on the show. Shay Serrano, welcome to the Livewire House Party. What up, sir? Shay, congrats on on this book, Movies and Other Things. It is like the perfect book to be reading right now because we all need to sort of step back from the news a little bit. Um, (laughs) All right. uh, I mean, you couldn't have known that when you were writing it, but have you been hearing that from people that this is like the hashtag content that we kind of need in this moment? You're the first person who has ever said that to me right now, but you're also the first person I've talked to in like three weeks. (laughs) Really? I'm I'm one for one right now. I'm 100%. Nice. Um, there's a really refreshing practicality, Shay, about how you talk about writing and how you got into writing. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if I understand it right, you did it. You started writing because you needed to make some extra money, and you were a teacher, and you had kids, and your life was complicated. Yeah, that's the that's the log line. <laughs> there, I, I I was getting married. Me and Laramie were both teachers. She was pregnant with twins. The like three or four months into the pregnancy, she had these crazy complications. She was going into labor. She had to do, they like rush her to the hospital. She had to do an emergency surgery. Wow. They put her on a, on bed rest for like, they're like, all right, you got to chill out for like the next four months. If you start moving around, the babies are going to come out. <laughs> so all of a sudden we went from living off of two salaries for two people to now we have one salary for what's about to be four people. And, you know, teachers don't make a ton of money. I, think I was making like 42 grand. Mm-hmm. A year at the time, which is maybe about eleven hundred bucks, a little under eleven hundred bucks every two weeks, after taxes and insurance and all that junk, and it was very clear that it wasn't going to be enough money to take care of a family. So I was just trying to find other jobs, and you know, your your first instinct is you like apply at Target or grocery stores or or restaurants. And each time that I did, I would go do an interview, and they'd be like, "Well, you can't work when we need you to work because you already have a full time job, so we, we can't hire you." So I needed something that I, that I could do on my own, and I was just at home Googling work-from-home jobs, and writer was one of them, and I was like, I guess I'll do that. <laughs> I got a book about writing, and it was like six-figure freelancing or something like that. Was yeah. yeah, right. And I was like, people are getting paid off of this. <laughs> and I was like, well, if 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 somebody's making a hundred grand a year freelancing, I should be able to make like a tenth of that. I can make a thousand dollars, you know, every six weeks or five weeks or whatever. And so that's what, that's how that all that all started. I went to the it was a pizza place by our house. They had a kiosk with a bunch of these like little neighborhood uh, newspapers in there, and I was I just grabbed one of each of them, flipped through them, trying to find who the editors were for each one, and then I just started emailing people. 
And uh, eventually, this woman named Frances, who ran a little tiny neighborhood newsletter called the Near Northwest Banner, um, she was like, yeah, you can write for us. We don't have anybody to write about sports. Do you know sports? And I was like, sure. I know, I, I, I know, I know all sports of every sport. <laughs> like just sort of lying my way through it. <clears throat> so she gave me my first assignment. She paid me 15 bucks to write about the Texans. And then she gave me 15 bucks to write about the Astros. And then I took those two pieces. And then I went to the Houston Press, which is like our big all-weekly. And I started pitching them. But they didn't have, they didn't have like a sports section at the time. Uh, I noticed that when I was flipping through the paper, so it's like, oh, well, they're covering like theater and cooking or food and music. And I'm like, uh, I know a little bit about music and I could tell just by flipping through the paper that they weren't covering a lot of rap. And one of the tips that I had read in the freelancing <laughs> book- How to get rich, was freelancing. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. One of the tips was like, find a hole at a publication and try to fill that hole. Like, and that it just it was like, well, they're not covering rap. I'm just start pitching them rap stories, and I did that, and then that was like how I got in with with you know regular work, three or four things a week. Then after that, it sort of took off. Wow. Uh, this is the Livewire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank with Elena Passarella. We're talking to Shay Serrano right now. Um, back on March 12th, when I have to admit, a lot of us, including me, kind of were in the dark about how real stuff was getting with COVID. Uh, you sent out a tweet that basically said, if you have bills that you're worried about, send me a screen cap and your Venmo and I'm going to do what I can. Um, what happened after you sent out that tweet? <laughs> uh, a lot happened. Now, this is this is a thing that I've been doing on Twitter for, for years now, for like maybe four or so years. I'm just trying to, you know, there's like the direct action that you can take on Twitter because you're connected to everybody and somebody could be like, oh, I'm, I can't pay this bill this month. And I'm like, all right, well, I have some money in Venmo from like some PDFs I was selling. I've got $200 in there. You can have that if you need it because I'm clearly not using it. And so it was like a similar thing there. I had a little bit of money in my Venmo account and I've done this enough times to know that if I do that, if I just post a thing and say, if you need help, come ask for help. And if you can help, then just grab somebody from this thread who's like asking for help. Mm -hmm. And that it always starts like a, a sort of small like that. And thousands of people start replying and starts getting retweeted thousands of times. And then other people start jumping in and it just becomes like a whole big thing. We did it. We did the exact same thing around Christmas time. And it was like a, the, the same exact response. Mm -hmm. Pe you know, people need help and other people want to help, but usually you don't mm -hmm. know how to help. Everybody can sort of, oh, cool, I can donate $50 to Red Cross or whatever. I don't know. Sure. And you do that and it's over. There's, it's very different to be like, oh, I can give this person who I can talk to $50 to pay, you know, their bus pass for the month or whatever. It just, it, it feels different. People get excited about it. And I think they're just looking for, a lot of times they're just looking for a way to do that. And every once in a while, my Twitter feed becomes a way for people to do that. Do you ever get any long-term follow-up uh, since you've been doing this on and off for a span of years? Somebody that got help two years ago that sort of gets back in touch? Yeah, that happens all the time. My favorite version of that is somebody will email me and be like, hey, 16 months ago, somebody gave me $100 and now like I want to do it for somebody else. Like That's always my favorite version yeah. of that. Uh, every once in a while, I'll, I get to meet somebody in person who, like, they'll show up to a book signing, oh. 
and they're like, hey, I, w- I was part of your Christmas thing. And I, this, this happened, I did a talk at a college uh, several months ago, a couple months ago. And afterward, some kid came up with his dad and he was like, hey, we responded to your Christmas thing and we got like 1300 bucks or 800 bucks. Or I don't remember wow. the exact number. But we, we were able to pay off whatever we needed to pay off. And like, yeah, it's always cool when that happens. Yeah, it's so cool. Shay, I, I know that you've had times in your life where money was really tight, uh, hence your writing career being something that you launched just to try to keep your bills paid. What is your relationship with money like now? Like you've had some success with your books, but it seems like you really just consider it to be something that you can use to help other people. Uh, yeah, so we we grew up very poor, I guess, on the, on the south side of San Antonio uh, in, in like a bad neighborhood and whatever people don't graduate high school people don't people get in and out of jail or prison or whatever like that's the 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 life you're you're living on like welfare section 8 housing or whatever so it was like that my whole time growing up and then even through college of course everybody's poor in college and then once the baby stuff happened we went from like being probably lower middle class or middle class to back to poor again just trying to figure it all out um so yeah if i've i've if i've spent most of my life living on like a very small amount of money now that I have some money it's it doesn't bother me to like I give some of it away uh, but but more than that it it's like uh I don't know if you grew up a certain way you know exactly what that feeling is like when a person messages you and says hey I'm looking at a bill that I do not know how to pay I don't know what to do like you know what that feels like because you have been in that exact same situation and also it's not very hard for me to raise $25,000 off of some tweets, then why would I not do right. that? And I think at this point, uh, we've maybe given out just in straight cash, like $61,000 oh, or something like that. Just man. in like small increments, 200 bucks, 80 bucks, 400 bucks, whatever, just like that. But of that $61,000, I think of my actual money, of like my money and Laramie's money, it's maybe, I don't know, 3000 bucks at this mm-hmm. point. $58,000 did not come from right. me. That came from other right. people sending in money. And it comes like in various forms. Somebody sent me like $1.80 something the other day. <laughs> and right behind that, somebody else sent me like $300. <laughs> uh, we're talking to Shay Serrano on the Livewire House Party. The the sense I get, Shay, in, in, in all of this, particularly this moment when we're all trying to deal with this COVID stuff and how you're really helping facilitate a lot of uh, charity and people helping each other out is that I, I get the sense you really are not trying to make it about yourself or build your brand or whatever, but you did get a shout out from Barack Obama and that has to feel, yeah. that's not why you're doing this, but that has to feel kind of good, right? Yeah, that was crazy. So what was crazy about that is that number one, it's Barack Obama. Number two, he tagged me in a tweet. Number three, he tagged me in a tweet with Roxanne right. Gay, who's one of my favorite writers um, somebody I've looked up to for a, for a long time, and then also he was linking to a story in the New York Times that they like put my picture in, mm. and it was a whole bunch of just like really weird things to happen all at once because we because whatever at that point I had given away two hundred dollars or something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just like this. None of this makes sense at all. Now I'm telling my kids that I'm good good friends with Barack <laughs> Obama. My little my little niece was uh, we're like FaceTiming. The other day, she's doing her schoolwork, and she's telling me she was writing about Obama. And I was like, "Oh, you should mention in here that he like he's my best friend, <laughs> my buddy." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is uh, the Livewire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank with Elena Passarella. We're talking to Shay Serrano. Um, Shay, 
do you see any reason for being hopeful in the midst of all of this craziness and, you know, 10 million uh, unemployed at this moment and people hitting you up, needing money, bills going unpaid? Does anything give you hope in all this? Yeah, there's, there's like a lot of people doing good stuff. Um, also, you're going to see like how sort of resilient or, or tough a lot of people are right now because they're going to have to figure out some like hard shit that a lot of people have had to figure out for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I think more than anything else, if you're staring at a situation like this, there there are only two options. You're going to be hopeful and like work toward that, or you're going to not be hopeful and work toward that. And like, mm. if I have to pick between one of those two things, I'm going to be on that side over there. Yeah. All right, Shay. Uh, your book, Movies and Other Things, poses a lot of interesting movie hypotheticals, like uh, which action heroes are the best dog owners. And it really does kind of seem like the perfect book for passing the time right now, since we're trapped inside. Uh, since you have such a keen brain for this, we we thought we would play a little party game with you that we're calling Would You Rather Pop Culture Quarantine Edition. Are you down? I'm ready. Okay. Uh, Shay Serrano, would you rather be stuck in quarantine with Austin Powers or Jar Jar Binks? Oh, God. I guess Austin Powers. They're both. They both are like obnoxious characters to be around mm-hmm. for an extended amount of time. But I, I think ultimately you're talking about: Do you want to hang out with like a guy who has time traveled, or do you want to <laughs> hang out with like an alien who's a little bit racist? It seems like, <laughs> like a stereotype. So I'll go. I'll go with. I'll go with the time travel yeah. guy. I like how you because like I think of Austin Powers, and I just think like of that person at our work. There was a guy, when I worked at this one radio station, a guy who lived for dressing up like Austin Powers on Halloween at yeah. work. I think of that version of it, but you're actually going, look, this is a person who's time-traveled. There's some interesting yeah. knowledge to be gained. Like, you're seeing the yeah, experience yeah, yeah. of Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Shay Serrano, would you rather be quarantined in the apartment from Friends or in Jerry's apartment from Seinfeld? Oh, Friends, absolutely. It's much bigger. It's got that... The was it that glass wall yeah. that you can like in the in the balcony? Jerry's is what a little one bedroom apartment. Yeah. Like no thanks. Yeah, across from Kramer as well. Well, that's the follow up question. Would it be okay for Kramer to keep coming over under the current rules? No, absolutely, absolutely not. You stay over there. I haven't seen my sisters in three weeks. I'm sure as I'm not gonna let Kramer come <laughs> in my house. I will say, uh, and I, I I hope that the wrong people don't hear this, but. There is, obviously, for all the downside of this, there is a certain convenience to the fact that now we're legally prohibited from hanging out with some people. Like, they're the people that we really miss, I think, that we're FaceTiming with a lot and trying to be close to uh, sort of virtually. But then there's a few people that I'm like, "Mm, it's not the worst thing I can't hang out with that person. (laughs) (laughs) There's a line. Did you ever see the movie Inside Man? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a part in there where Clive Owen's character is is talking about like there's a difference between being in a prison cell or being in like or choosing to be in a place that seems like a prison cell like it's a it's a the reverse version of that fortunately at a, at our spot i was able to convince my 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 dad my mom is already retired and so she's they they live like down the street from us um so my dad was the only one who was like going out into the world and we were able after a couple of days to convince him to stay home like take a few weeks off of work so now they're at their house and they don't let anybody come over. Mm-hmm. We're at our house and we don't let anybody come over. So we have like two safe zones mm-hmm. 
that we can move move back and forth between. I can't imagine what it's like to be in an apartment in New York right, right now, and you just can't even stick your head out of the window. I was doing an interview a, a couple of days ago with uh, this podcast called It's The Real. It's these twin brothers, and they live in New mm-hmm. York. And when we were talking, I was sitting outside on the, like on a, we have a little patio and I was sitting on the patio and an airplane flew over while we were talking. And they're like, are, is that an air? Are you outside right now? We haven't left our apartment in five wow. weeks. You get to sit outside. Wow. I'm like, geez, I mean, you're sitting in a closet yeah. right now. <laughs> for guys. But it's a very yeah. spacious like, closet. So I'm all right. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> this is Livewire. It's the Livewire house party. We're talking to Shay Serrano. Uh, we're playing a little round of uh, quarantine. Would you rather? Uh, would you rather Shay Serrano be stuck with someone who kept quoting Jim Carrey movies, or someone who just kept saying that one line from A Few Good Men? You can't handle the truth. Jim Carrey movies, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the You Can't Handle the Truth would be funny for a few minutes. <laughs> were you an In Living Color fan? Yeah, uh, who was not an In Living Color fan? That was everything when I was a kid. I might be a little older than you, but I mean, that was the thing we talked about every Monday morning at school, man. It was like, that was a game changer for people my age. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. So we're talking about In Living Color and Jim Carrey and we mentioned the basketball book. I mean, the movie book. While I was researching for the movie Mm -hmm. book, I had missed this a million times. Uh, But I'd see, do you know the movie Liar Liar when Mm -hmm. he like can't tell? Okay. Um, there's a part at the end of Liar Liar, and again, I've seen this movie 15 times. We watched it recently with my kids because we we do a, we do like movie night, and we're gonna watch a person's like we're gonna watch three Jim Carrey movies over the next three weeks or whatever. <laughs> Liar Liar was one of them. At the end of it, um, after he like stops the airplane and he breaks his leg or whatever, he's on the gurney mm-hmm. in the background where all the people are gathered. He is as him as his character, Fire Marshal Bill. <laughs> he's back there as part of the people. <laughs> And I, I totally, what? I missed it. I've seen this movie so many times and I missed it. And it wasn't until I was working on the movie book and I'm <gasps> like, my radar is up. And then like a, it was like a tweet or something came around and some guy caught it and he like zoomed wow. in. Like, Incredible. God, I spent so much time drying my upper lip out and trying to put it up and saying, let yeah, me yeah, tell yeah. you something. That was like my <laughs> one impression I could do in high yeah. school. <laughs> All right, Shay, thank you so much for everything that you've been doing, man. It's super inspirational. Uh, And thank you for uh, uh, taking the time to come on the Livewire house party. Oh, thank you. Thank you for letting me come on the show. That's Shay Serrano, everybody. This is the Livewire house party coming to you by way of PRX. Uh, I'm Luke Burbank at my house, Elena Passarello, checking in from her place in Corvallis, Oregon. Uh, We have to take a very quick break, but we will be right back. So don't go anywhere. Hey, special thanks this episode to Zach Bonsall of Portland, Oregon, and Carrie Bouchard of Fort Worth, Texas. Zach and Carrie are part of the Livewire member community. They generously support our show with a donation each month. And we are very thankful for that support because it is genuinely what allows us to keep this whole thing going through all kinds of unusual and challenging times these days. So a big thanks to Zach and Carrie for keeping Livewire going. Welcome back to the Livewire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank at my house in Bellingham, Washington. Elena Passarello is at her house in Corvallis, Oregon, in a closet, finally appointed <laughs> with clothing all around you. I can see it because we're on this computer connection. Of course, the listeners can't. Trust me, folks, it's beautiful in there. Um, 
let's uh, wrap this house party up with one of our very favorite musical guests from the show. He's a frequent guest vocalist with Pink Martini. He's toured all over the world. Uh, These days, you can find him a lot on Instagram and Facebook. Of course, that's the safe place to be if you're a performer. (laughs) It's the new nightclub, I think. It's the new Birdland. (laughs) Uh, He's... (laughs) He's posting videos of new music that he's been writing and performing, some of it in a bathrobe. He can really pull it off, though. Jamie Harad, welcome to the Livewire house party. Look, you brought a piano. <laughs> yes. It just happened to be here with me already. Oh, how oh, convenient. Nice. Um, where are you at right now? Um, I'm in my uh, apartment in New York, uh, just, you know chilling <laughs> yeah <laughs> you just moved to new york recently right yeah i moved uh I, I was really funny and i was like oh i'm gonna do the thing and move on the first of the year and then it's like also like 2020 i was like oh this looks so cool in my mind uh how's it going so far good you know i i the city grew on me pretty quickly i think uh you know that i left for tour and with everything going on that i come back and now I'm getting really acquainted with my walls and uh, yeah. <laughs> moving the furniture and figuring out where I like things at. <laughs> yeah, right. So, I mean, New York is very much the epicenter right now of things that are happening with the COVID virus. So are you pretty much inside all the time now? I am. Um, I, I try to like go outside for a brief walk. Like, so I live um, on like 42nd. So I walk up to 50th in like a big square and I'm like, oh, mm. look at outside. <laughs> I get my air. You're like in Manhattan, too. I don't think I've talked to somebody who's in Manhattan for yeah. the, the lockdown. What are the streets like in Manhattan? So it's it's funny when I got back, it was like still people out and I mm. you wouldn't have known necessarily. And then I want to say a few days later, the streets just became like empty. How's it treating you in terms of the creativity department? Are you finding yourself more inspired to write, less inspired to write because of being mostly trapped inside? You know, it's funny. You know, I didn't realize how much I needed to like even just play music by myself in the house. I I have a lot of downtime between tours. It's sort of like a period where I can do a lot of creative stuff if I want to. And I can go out and play shows and meet um, other musicians and artists in that way. Uh, But right now, you know, the main thing I've been doing since moving here, which is going out to jam sessions and shows at night, nothing is happening. So Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's required me to realize how much I can give to myself by continuing music in my home and um, not taking it for granted. So it's, it's really been a blessing to have like the piano here um, or keyboard. <laughs> um, sure. Hey, it's radio. Let's tell them it's a, um, a Steinway. Baby grand. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I, something just occurred to me, Jimmy. You have this uh, piano, and you said you've been singing at home and, and working on music, <laughs> and yet you live in New York City. Can your neighbors hear you? Like, <laughs> man, would they be lucky to be Jimmy Harrod's neighbors as opposed to like my neighbors <laughs> right. if I decide to work uh-huh. on my musical career? Has anyone come up to you or slid a note on your door saying, that's beautiful? Or that's annoying. No, um, <laughs> but you know, no one has ever said anything though. Really? Well, yeah. I I have to say, like you know, if if you're gonna have a neighbor who's a musician, you should hope <laughs> that it's you, Jimmy, because uh, you're <laughs> have such a beautiful voice and write such beautiful music. Speaking of which, uh, you're gonna play a song for us. What song have you selected? And is there any particular uh, connection to this kind of moment of time we're all in? Yeah, um, I wrote this song yesterday, actually. <laughs> I heard some birds outside and it was just kind of like a reminder that spring is so close and mm. um, 
that's sort of a season of like optimism in general. And uh, the lyric is sort of about like the birds in their own way, like summoning spring um, and how they um, defy the odds of piercing the clouds and um, soaring, uh, which is I could never do. But I, you know, <laughs> it's just kind of amazing to think about them. Does this song have a name yet? Um, yeah, I think it's called These Heights. All right. Well, this is Jimmy Harrod on the Livewire house party. Take it away. Birds on a windowsill. They become spring with the stretch of their wings. They beckon her before my eyes. Wondering, do they feel? The change in the air, and why should they care? Our birds overtake their skies, but I see them fly. Soaring despite ominous winds, and I, too, will meet these heights again. Denied all I know, but seeing them seek, who they'll always be, defies the heights were prone to sow they let them go birds on a windowsill they become spring with the song that they sing they beckon her she reappears light they alone can steal by tearing the clouds, a shimmer peers down and blemishes the gray revered. Oh, why see them fly, soaring despite ominous winds? And I, too, will meet these heights again, denied all I know. But seeing them seek, who they'll always be, defies the heights, the fears we're prone. They let them go Jimmy Harrod with the Livewire House Party musical performance this week. Can I just like say for just one second, I'm sitting in my closet, like amongst my weird <laughs> bomber jackets, and Jimmy Harrod just sang me a beautiful ode to spring. Like, what is yeah. life right now? Like, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it. That was a surprisingly it. emotional thing to listen to. Maybe yeah. we're all a little kind of raw right now, but Jimmy, that was incredible. Thank you so much for doing that, man. That just made my day. It just made my day. Yeah. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much. That is Jimmy Harrod here on the Livewire House Party. Uh, his solo album of original works is called Falling in Love and Learning to Love Myself. You can also follow him on Instagram at Jimmy underscore Harrod, which is H-E-R-R-O-D. Uh, and Jimmy is spelled with an I-E. Definitely go check it out. He's been playing a bunch of music on there, and it's really incredible. 
And I guess that's pretty much going to do it for episode two of the Livewire House Party. Yeah, the Pajama Jammy Jam. We cannot say House Party without you thinking of the Kid and Play movies, House Party and House Party 2, right, Elena? No, yeah, I, I, they really were, pin- they were like my Citizen Kane when I was growing and up. And that dance, the Kid and Play, which I learned from those movies, is probably going to be how we shake hands going forward. That's and right. I'm good with that. That's a way more fun way to say <laughs> hi to someone. The next time I see you in person, yes. you have some time to practice Burbank. I want to do- oh, I got it a, down. Oh, it's in the can. You already know how to oh, do it. Believe me, I'll send you a video of me doing <laughs> the kid and play later. Can you do the worm? I am not good at the worm anymore, but I do have a almost infinite amount of time to practice at home. So I'll work on that too. That is going to do it for the show. Thank you so much, everybody, for uh, spending the time with us. This is really fun and therapeutic. (laughs) Uh, I'm your host, Luke Burbank. We'll be back next week with another episode of the show. In the meantime, thanks to our guests, Shay Serrano, Brooks Whelan, Nick Turner, and Jimmy Harrod. Livewire is brought to you in part by Foley, Alaska Airlines, and the Jupiter Hotel. Laura Haddon is our executive producer. Tim Harkins is our production director. Our producer and editor is Melanie Sevchenko. And Ariana Donneville is our marketing associate. Caitlin Kunkel is our writer. And Molly Pettit, our technical director, is our house party mixer. As always, a big thanks to Carlson Audio. Additional funding provided by the Oregon Arts Commission, a state agency funded by the state of Oregon and the National Endowment for the Arts. Livewire was created by Robin Tenenbaum and Kate Sokoloff. Our show is made possible by the generous support of our members. This week, we'd like to thank members Nancy Benway of Vancouver, Washington, and Jane Johnson of Everett, Washington. For more information about the show or how you can listen to our podcast or get our newsletter, head on over to livewireradio.org. I'm Luke Burbank for Elena Passarello and the whole Livewire crew. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, and we will see you next week. Wouldn't it be amazing to have a piping hot episode of Livewire delivered right to your heart and ears each week? Well, guess what? That can happen when you subscribe to the Livewire podcast feed and you'll get the joy of surprising conversation every week. So go ahead and do it. It's super easy. You click on the button at the top of your podcast app and bam, you are Livewire subscribed. And If you're still, you know, feeling the love, if you're enjoying the show, hey, maybe you could hook us up and uh, leave us a quick review. That'll help more people find out about Livewire. And thank you.